You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. You see, David had put the building of the temple in its proper perspective when he said in 1 Chronicles in chapter 29 and verse 1, the temple is not for man, but for God. And I want you to think about it as it relates to you and to me, that temple that God is constructing. We are for God. We are that temple built for God, for the glory of God. King David wanted to build a temple for God, but God would not allow him to because of all the blood that David had shed. But David and his son Solomon both had a proper understanding of the temple. It was for God. Today, Pastor Mike reminds us that under Christ, we who follow Jesus are the new temple of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within us and is continuing to work in and through us. Pastor Mike encourages us to have the same mentality as David and Solomon did. We, the new temple, live for God. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Kings chapter 5 as he continues his message, Building God's Temple. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. So, you know, not only did he have now the opportunity to write the prison epistles, but he also had an opportunity to influence the people that were holding him while he was incarcerated there in Rome. I'm talking about as he was a prisoner of those soldiers that were holding him. And many of those soldiers had actually given their lives to Christ because of this very fact. In fact, there was actually a church house that began there where Paul was being held through his incarceration. Verse 13, so again, that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So the disciples of the Lord were emboldened by that fact. They realized that nothing could shut down the preaching of the gospel. So once again, the sovereign work of God. And God does things you know, so, you know, so often in strange ways. But you know, the outcome, we can only explain our circumstances and our outcomes by putting God behind them. Isn't that true? 
So once again, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are so much higher than ours. So anyway, the rest that God gave to Israel, remember Solomon said that he had rest on every side, can only come from him. Only God can give peace, whether it be world peace or peace in the human heart. Remember, Jesus himself said in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 11, in verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And only God can do that. Only Jesus, the Prince of Peace, can give you that kind of rest. And God had given Solomon rest from warfare. This was peace on every side. And so now, on with the building temple, because of that peace, because of what God had done. So now, on with the building of the temple. But before we go ahead and consider its construction, let me remind you that God is still in the business of building temples. You say, what am I talking about? Well, I mean, each one of us is a temple which God is building. Let me give you a cross-reference. In the book of 1 Corinthians, in chapter 6, in verse 19, Paul himself said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price, and you are no longer your own. You see, the church is not a mere human invention. She is God's, and it is a product of his grace. You are his building. You are his field. You are his household, his dwelling place, and his flock. He chose us, and he gave us his son, who purchased us by his own blood. And that's the reason why Paul reminds us that we are no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. You know, in the book of Philippians, and, and pro, you, you, you hear me use this reference a lot. It's one of my favorite verses in all of the New Testament. In the book of Philippians, in chapter 2, in verse 13, there we are told that it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do you understand the implication of that statement? You wouldn't even have a desire to want to will and to do of God's pleasure unless he put that within us. Think about that. So it's all of God's grace. God is just bringing us along, right? He's building us his temple, his dwelling place. But listen, let me also add, this grace of God in giving all to worship, you know, having that inclination now, that desire to want to know God, know him better, worship him, give ourselves to furthering his kingdom, to work alongside, together with him. This grace of God in giving all to worship him does not negate human responsibility. You see, we still have to respond to that grace of God, that calling of God within our lives. God gave Solomon, I want you to think about this, all that was necessary for him to build the temple, all of the resources, all of the manpower, all of the wisdom. But notice, Solomon still had to act. And chapter 5, here in 1 Kings, is about Solomon acting. Notice, go back to our text. There in verse 2, we are told that Solomon, first of all, he sent to Hiram. In verse 11, he gave Hiram 20,000 measures of cores of wheat. 
And, and I, we mentioned this last time together in, in measurements. One measure equaled 10 bushels, so 10 bushels of wheat. So just multiply the 20,000 measures by 10, so that would be 200,000 bushels of wheat in one calendar year. That was Hiram's compensation over that period of a year. Notice also he raised up a large labor force. Let's go back now to chapter 5. It's recorded first in verses 13 through 16, so let's go ahead and read that. Then King Solomon raised up a labor force out of all Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men. The point that I'm trying to make is that Solomon didn't sit idly by, but he acted, you see. God gave him the plan. God gave him the blueprint. God put it on his heart, but it didn't negate him you know, not doing anything. He acted upon it. And so there in verse 13, again, then King Solomon raised up a labor force out of all Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men. So 30,000 men were enlisted for this building project, and he sent them to Lebanon, where they were cutting down the trees and and then sending them off towards Jerusalem, 10,000 a month in shifts. They were one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adoniram was in charge of the labor force, and Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens, so laborers, and 80,000 who quarried stones in the mountains. And then also, as it was on Solomon's part to act, he commanded them. Notice in verses 17 and 18. In other words, Solomon was the chief architect. Verses 17 and 18 we read, And the king commanded them to quarry large stones, costly stones, and hewn stones, to lay the foundation of the temple. And so Solomon's builders, Hiram's builders, and the Gebelites quarried them, and they prepared timber and stones to build the temple. Notice also in verse 16, I skipped over it, it says, beside the 3,300 from the chiefs of Solomon's deputies who supervised the people who labored in the work. In other words, these guys sort of acted like Foremans for this whole task. So anyway, the whole is buzzing now with activity. And so in the same way, let's bring this down to personal terms. How does this relate to you and to me? Well, in the same way, God doesn't build believers. Remember now, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't build believers by telling them to kick back and do nothing. He builds us as we give ourselves rigorously to activity. Now, what kind of activity am I referring to? Well, how about the study of the Word? And notice I put that first upon the list. We need to place a high premium upon the study of the Word of God. If you want to be a temple that brings glory unto the Lord, this is one of the activities that we must constantly be engaged in, and that is the study of the Word of God. We must be committed to mortifying our flesh, to bring our flesh under subjection to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We need to be men and women of prayer. We need to be men and women of worship. And of course, we need to continue in faith. Now, I want you to think about this. In this analogy here, have you ever, you know, in your area, 
where you live, maybe here in New York, have you ever seen a building project that is just sitting? And, you know, it began quite well. There was a lot of buzz about, you know, maybe a new high-rise that was going to be built in your area and where you live, maybe right here in Manhattan. And they started well, but, you know, it's been months now, and you've noticed that no one is working on that building any longer. And the building now is just lying there and sort of decaying. And for maybe a variety of different reasons, maybe because of a lack of finances, maybe they didn't have enough finances to continue the building project. Maybe it was some kind of a contract dispute between the laborers. And the building is just lying there now in ruins. So what began you know, with a great project, with great hopes, in erecting that building is now just lying in ruins and decaying. You know what I'm talking about? Is this a good example or illustration? And I've seen this myself. I, I'm particularly thinking about over in New Jersey. Before I moved to where I'm living now, I used to live in a city named Auradel. And I lived there for many years before we were actually able to gather up and save enough money to purchase our own home. We were renting. And there was this facility that they no longer used. It was an industrial site. And it just lied there for years. They, they weren't doing any kind of work there any longer. So the borough took it over, and they were going to knock it down, and they were going to build a county park there. But listen, that was like, I've been in my new home now for like 22 years, and before that, living in Auradel, I was in Auradel, my kids went to school there, so they were there for another probably 10 years. So that whole construction project, still right up until the very present time, they've done nothing about it. And now there's just weeds all over the place and ivy growing over the buildings and, and the building is just lying in decay. And, and I couldn't help but think about that when I was you know, writing this message. Have you, ever, has that been, have you seen something like that in your area where you live? Well, listen, the building project began upon our conversion experience to Christ. And now God wants to build and continue to build that, that temple in us. We are that, the temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, ultimately to glorify him. And so anyway, I, I wanted to use that as an illustration. Well, let's go back to our text. Notice there in verse 5. Let's go on. And behold, I propose... Uh, the point is, is that, you know, it's a sad thing when a person, first of all, gives his life to Christ and then doesn't you know, make any advances going forward. And his Christianity and his spiritual life just kind of results in decay. And it's a sad thing, right? So that's the analogy that I wanted to share with you. Anyway, let's go on now in verse 5. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke to my father David, saying, Your son whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house for my name. Okay, so Solomon's preparations for the construction of the temple also bears witness to the worthiness of the Lord. You see, David had put the building of the temple in its proper perspective when he said in 1 Chronicles in chapter 29 and verse 1, 
The temple is not for man, but for God. And I want you to think about it as it relates to you and to me. That temple that God is constructing. We are for God. We are that temple built for God, for the glory of God. Okay, so David wasn't permitted to build the temple, but he did plan very carefully for Solomon's building it. In fact, its pattern was given to David by God himself, who then passed it along to his son Solomon. In 1 Chronicles in chapter 28, verse 19, in 1 Chronicles in chapter 28, verse 19, and sometimes during the week I'd encourage you to read the entire chapter, but I just want to highlight a couple of things there for you. All this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plants. So in other words, God had given the blueprints to David. David then passed them along to his son Solomon as it related to the building of the temple. And in fact, sometime during the week, as I mentioned, if you want to read 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 10 through 12, we have some of the instructions that God had given to David that David passed along to his son. Some of the instructions, part of the blueprint. Well, anyway, and as David planned, he kept in mind that the temple was to be a testimony to the Lord's excellence and worthiness. Now, let's get back to you and to me again and the way that God is building us up and the way that we live our lives. We are also to testify to the worthiness and the glory of God. I mean, what conclusions are people coming to as it relates to the way that we live our lives. We're telling people that we are Christians. Can they see Christ in us and through us? Are they coming to the wrong conclusion about what God is like because of the way that we live our lives or the way that we don't live our, our lives? Probably even more importantly, the temple was to be for God. We have a picture of David's heart. This, this was something that, you know, just was so a part of who David was. We have a picture of David's heart, his motivation at the final public assembly. It's recorded first in 1 Chronicles in chapter 29 and verses 10 through 12. And this should be the same enthusiasm that we have as it relates to God, allowing God to build the temple in us and through us. In 1 Chronicles in chapter 29, verses 10 through 12. Therefore, David blessed the Lord before all of the assembly. So all of the people are gathered together now. And David said, blessed are you, Lord. Again, we're getting some insights into the heart of David in his desire to want to build this temple for God. Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom of, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honors come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Okay, so there you have it. So we're giving some insights into David's heart here at the final public assembly. So, it's not surprising then that David prepared so lavishly for the temple. 
He prepared, as we are told in 1 Chronicles in chapter 29, in verses 2 and 3, David prepared with all of his might. He set his affection on the house of the Lord. And likewise, we are to do just as David did. The temple was for the Lord. That was David's conviction, who was worthy of the devotion and worship of his people. And so Solomon began his preparations with the same conviction. He was riveted in his mind. Notice, go back to our text here in chapter 5, verse 5, very similar to what his father David had mentioned. Notice there in verse 5, as he's speaking to Hiram, he says, for the name of the Lord. That's the reason why, that's what's behind my desire to want to build the temple for the name of the Lord. They knew such a God deserves, they knew, both David and Solomon, that such a God deserves nothing but the very best. And this was demonstrated in their planning and building the temple. Okay, so let's bring this down to personal terms. What should we all take away from this? Well, let me ask you the question. What about us? Is this the conviction of our hearts as well? The same conviction that David and Solomon had. Are we giving God our best? What am I talking about? Well, how about our time, our energy, our service? You know, making available our resources to God, giving unto God. Or are we giving him our leftovers? Are we just squeezing him in? You know, there are other things that we've allowed to go on in our lives, whereas we're not giving God the first place. Are we just squeezing him in? What are we doing to build our temples, the church? Is our attitude the same attitude that David and Solomon had? And what was that attitude? No cost was too great for them. Listen, God is no less glorious today than he was back then. And we who know him must be as devoted to giving our best as they did. Okay, so that's the first part of this message, building the temple. I'm going to give you the second part next Sunday. I want to just pray a prayer, and I'd ask you to join me if you would. So let's bow our heads together, and let's pray. Father, please help us to have and keep our priorities in order. Help us to keep our eyes on our high calling in Christ Jesus, giving you our best, glorifying him in everything that we do and everything that we put our hand to. God, we thank you, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus, and everyone say, amen. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. Thanks for listening today. In My Father's House is delighted to bring you Pastor Mike Venizio. Pastor Mike has been working through the book of 1 Kings, where we've encountered the reign of Solomon. One of Solomon's greatest achievements was the building of the temple. The temple he built was glorious. 
If you've ever wondered about how God feels about artistry, then you need to read 1 Kings 7, where the building and furnishing of the temple is described. Solomon could have kept it simple, but he ordered an abundance of artwork to honor God in this building. Artistry of all kinds can bring glory to God, the one who first created beauty. The first thing Solomon did when the new temple was complete was bring offerings to God. Part of our worship of God is offering Him our time and money. If you want to give to the work of God as a part of your worship, we would love to have you partner with us. It's easy. Just head over to our website, harvestnyc.org. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Come be a part of spreading the Word of God. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Manhattan. If you're out of the area, we'd still love to hear from you. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages have reached. We've reached the end of our time for today, but we'll be here again next time, and we hope you will too. See you right here on In My Father's House. Oh